Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I'm here today with Dawn Walsh. Dawn is the Visitor Experience Manager at the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Just a, a beautiful place for a pilgrimage, for a visit. Welcome today, Dawn. Good afternoon, Father. Thanks for having me. And Happy Easter to everyone as well. Yes. <laughs> What a great blessing today to focus a little bit more on both special revelations of Jesus that he appeared to St. Faustina. We call him the devotion to the divine mercy. Don, can you speak to a little bit of the story for our listeners who have heard of it or have never heard of, of Jesus appearing to St. Faustina? Tell us about the time frame, what was going on, and what were the messages? So St. Faustina is a remarkable saint in the church. She was newly canonized just 18 years ago. She grew up in Poland during the war in the 30s and 40s, and this is when she became a sister in the Order of Our Lady of Mercy, the Sisters of Mercy, and our Lord appeared to her over several years, giving her revelations about his love for humanity. Yeah, his love for humanity. And obviously it's not the first time Jesus has ever appeared and talked about his love for humanity. Can you talk about the origins of of other times he's appeared in the past? Yeah, so prior to this, we would look at the the Sacred Heart Devotion, 1600s. Our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary, who was also a sister. She was a visitation nun in France. And he expressed to her his need for all of us to understand the depths of his love so that we could return it and realize how deeply and tenderly he loves each and every human person. Now, there's a lot of people who would say, well, that's clear in the scriptures. Why would he have to appear to St. Margaret Mary? Can you speak to that? Yeah, so Father, I think one of the, the results of the fall back with Adam and Eve is that the notion that we could be distrustful of our Lord was introduced into the human heart. And so very often there was a fearful mentality of our Creator, of our Father God. And part of these revelations of Jesus to these individuals is to dispel the notion that we need to fear Him and rather instill in us an understanding of His deep love for us. So that is interesting. So in some ways, obviously the scriptures are the living Word of God. These are private revelations where Jesus continues to act in ways, but they're not new teachings, but they're further expressing his particular love for us because his love for us is ongoing. Yeah, his love for us is ongoing. And and the other nuance of this that's beautiful is that when a person comes to understand the deep love of the Lord for themselves, they come to understand in a broader way that they need to share that. That's the purpose of sharing the gospel is that we can bring the good news of the love of the Sacred Heart to the next person so they can be convicted of the depth of the mercy and love of God for them as a human person, as an individual. What always struck me about that image of the Sacred Heart, for those who are familiar with the image, that here you have a heart that usually has the crown of thorns around it, that had the suffering heart, but at the same time, it was a heart burning with love. You have the fire on the top of the heart and the cross, that one that burned with love for us, and also was pierced 
The love was pierced, but even broken open out of love for us. So here, when Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary, there was this experience of a real sense of, see how much, behold the heart that loves you so much. But then it was a call to them in saying, but all I receive back is ingratitude. And I have such a desire for them to love me back. A love that was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, spoken about in a living way through the scriptures, but a love that still longs and yearns to be loved back after he loved us so much. This is true, Father. And the other the other thing we get from the Divine Mercy Devotion is that it's really directed to God the Father. So when we begin to know and love the Lord, it often comes through Our Lady, who introduces us to her Son. Then we fall in love with her Son very often. But this is directed to understanding and loving God the Father as the divine person whom he is. So when we begin the chaplet, which we'll talk about later, we begin with the Our Father. So the first words we speak are directed to God the Father. And certainly he expresses his love for us by giving us his only begotten Son. There is nothing he could have given us more dear to his heart than the body and blood of his own Son, which he gave to us for our salvation. So these devotions are really to deepen the intimacy of our understanding of the love of God. Yes. Can you speak back to the revelations of Jesus telling St. Margaret Mary in his revealing of a sacred heart to her, behold the heart that loves humanity so much. And now he appears to St. Faustina some, how many years later? 300 years. 300 yeah. years later. And speak more about the message that he gave to St. Faustina. And it was a series of a number of messages. Can you speak of her diary? Where did that come from? And what was the origin of that? And maybe begin speaking about some things in the diary. So it was quite providential, Father, that St. Faustina herself applied to several different convents after she was convicted of her vocation of becoming a sister dedicated to the Lord. And so she applied differently, and then finally she was accepted into this particular convent. And this shows us the workings of divine providence and how we sometimes have to overcome setbacks in pursuing God's will for us. But once she went into this convent as a young sister, she was given two different directors subsequent to each other who were really placed there by divine providence to draw her into revealing these very specific messages. So one of her directors asked her to begin a diary because they could only see her so often. There was such a volume of information being given to her. So he instructed her to start composing a diary, which was so beautiful because it is so rich. You can go into it over and over again and glean new insights as you spend time with it. And part of the gift that the Lord gave through the diary was multifaceted. He gave us knowledge of his desire for a day to honor his divine mercy, which we now call Divine Mercy Sunday, a chaplet. So these were prayers he wanted to precede that special day. The proclamation of divine mercy where he asks his priests and his lay people to share the message of his divine mercy with people who don't know about it so that they can come to know and love and serve the Lord more closely. And also he gave the diary itself so that we can spend time learning more about the facets of his mercy. And what makes the diary unique as well is these are the words that Jesus spoke to her that she wrote down in her diary. She's like, so it's, so it's almost a dialogue 
he spoke to this and some of it's her reflections. Can you speak more about that? Well, it's just remarkable to have not only the insight into the relationship between this individual soul and our Lord, but also to understand that by revealing this to her and subsequently to us, we see how he loves each and every one of us in this same way. We are all individuals. We have different gifts and charisms and vocations. But in reading the diary, you come to understand it's a window into the very personal love of God that he has for each one of us. And some of the things that makes the revelation extraordinary are some of the promises that the Lord gave to us through this devotion. And those promises are tremendous. Can you begin with one of the promises? So one of the things our Lord asked for is to observe the feast day. And what he wanted us to do was make confession, make a good confession of our sins to a priest, and then go to Holy Communion on that day. So by doing this, the Lord is emphasizing the beauty of the sacraments, that by confessing our sins, we purify our hearts and we prepare our hearts so that when we go to the altar and receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and Holy Communion, we can do so in a way that is most meritorious for us and therefore for everyone else with whom we come in contact. Because the more sanctified, the more holiness we absorb through contact with his body and blood, the more efficacious we can be for the church. And there is something uniquely, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, it, it's rooted in the scriptures in John 20, 21. One of the very first things Jesus did when the apostles were behind locked doors, he showed up and he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them and said, whose sins you forgive will be forgiven. Whose sins you hold bound will be held bound in order. In other words, they were given the authority of the binding and loosings of sins. Again, this is rooted in Jesus Christ in the scripture. So that's that gift of being reconciled to God in a continual way through the apostles and their successors, we speak of as bishops and priests. We're going to pause for a moment for a break, but what a blessing to have Don Walsh here as we talk about divine mercy and the gift of divine mercy that Jesus wants the world to know. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. We'll be right back. News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. The Archdiocese of Baltimore published April 24th an additional 23 names of priests who had been accused of child sexual abuse after they were deceased. All of the allegations had been previously reported to law enforcement, in most cases more than a decade ago. The 23 additional names joined 103 other clergy and religious brothers whose names had already been published by the Archdiocese. In 2002, the Archdiocese of Baltimore was one of the first in the country to publish names of those credibly accused of child sexual abuse. At that time, 57 men were named. In announcing the publication of the additional names, Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lorry said, Here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, there is absolutely zero tolerance for any bishop, priest, lay employee, or volunteer credibly accused of the sexual abuse of a minor or the sexual harassment of an adult. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, the Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text 
CRMedia to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and I'm here with Don Walsh. Don is the Visitor Experience Manager at the National Shrine Grotto at Our Lady of Lourdes. Welcome back, Don. Thank you. So the theme today is we're talking about this proclamation of divine mercy that was revealed to St. Faustina and is one of the great message of our times. Can you speak about her specific calling and how the Lord invited her to a deeper relationship uh, earlier in her life. So early, before she entered the convent, Father, she tells a story about being at a uh, dance one night, just like any young girl would do at her age. And while she was at the dance, dancing with a young man, she caught sight of the Lord bleeding and looking at her and pining for her. And he said, how long are you going to make me wait for you? So she had been toying maybe with her vocation and pursuing it, and it was at that point that she knew she really had to get on board and get to the convent and get busy. (laughs) So the fact that in a particular way he called her and said, will you come and be my bride? That's what a a religious sister would be, kind of a a bride, and then had a unique mission that would ultimately be for the world. He did. He put that calling to her in in a very remarkable way, but he puts the same calling on each of our lives to respond to him in the vocation which he gives to us. Speak a little bit about her. So she really was to be a messenger of mercy. That was her calling. Can you speak to that? Well, some of the things that were beautiful about Faustina is that she was so simple. She was not a very bright person. She was not well-educated. And once again, as the Lord often does, he takes the lowliest or the most simple people to extol his grandeur so that we see that it's him acting and not them. Our job is to cooperate with the grace. But the one thing that he really wanted to use her for was to get this message out to humanity about his mercy, his love, and about our need to trust in him. And one of the ways he did that is through the image. He asked Faustina to have an image of him painted in the manner in which he appeared to her, which was with his two hands pulling apart his robe, touching the place where his sacred heart is. 
and from his heart were pouring colors, white and red colors, and these were to represent the blood and the water which gushed forth from his heart, which represented the ocean of mercy withheld in his heart. And we look at those and understand that they represent the graces of baptism in the water and the graces of the blood of the Holy Eucharist, the blood that we receive, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Holy Eucharist. And there's something special about that saying, I want an image of my mercy. What you see, let others see it too. My rays of graces and mercy that I desire to pour out upon the whole world. Which brings us back to her asking the world to honor him at the three o'clock hour, at the hour of a death. Can you speak to that? Well, Jesus said that every time we look at the image of divine mercy, we receive graces. And in particular, he wants us to remember his passion, which of course happened at three o'clock. We know that that's the moment that he passed. When you speak of his passion, you mean his passion and his death on the cross. Right, his passion and death on the cross. So at three o'clock, he's asked us to pray this chaplet in memory of that sacrifice. And then in particular, there's a short prayer that we offer if we don't have time or we can't duck into chapel at that three o'clock hour. But he's asking us to focus on what he did out of love for us to save us. And it's interesting, the the prayer that that he shared with St. Faustini said, I desire them to pray this prayer. O blood and water, gushing forth from the heart of Jesus is a fountain of mercy for us. I trust in thee. O blood and water, gushing forth from the heart of Jesus is a fountain of mercy for us. I trust in thee. O blood and water gushing forth from the heart of Jesus is a fountain of mercy for us. I trust in thee. And it's interesting that he craves and desires our trust when he said to have this picture painted. He said, put the words, Jesus, I trust in you. Yes, the trust is so important. And that's what he asked St. Faustina to have painted at the bottom of the image. Jesus, I trust in you. Very simple, very easy to remember, but the point of the devotion itself. I can share with you, my brother-in-law's father grew up, uh, he was very involved as an evangelical Christian, and he had heard about these messages (laughs) given to St. Faustina, and he had heard that Jesus had requested to be honored at the three o'clock hour, to keep in mind at the three o'clock hour, that is the hour that Jesus died for us. And so he told his two sons who are very involved in their Bible church, he says, I want you to set your watch for three o'clock. And then when that watch goes off, Thank Jesus for dying for your sins. Mm. It was so moving, and that became the impetus. He kept reading more and more of the diary. He ended up becoming Catholic and is a daily mass Catholic. (gasps) Wow. Because of hearing about this, the love of Jesus, the love of his mercy, the the fruits of Jesus' heart, which is the Eucharist, this deeper and abiding communion with him. So it became this very beautiful image of honor the Lord at the three o'clock hour. Wonderful. It's wonderful. And all the promises, you know, the Lord gave us many promises with this devotion. We, as apostles of his mercy, he would give us graces to share his love and his mercy with the people that he puts in our path. Because we have to remember, because of divine providence, he's placing people in our path. So that's a good example of brothers, father-in-law, receiving that kind of grace. Can, Can you speak also to why did he tell her, I've given you this message in terms of even just time period of what, why is this message so important? Mm-hmm. So the Lord told Faustina that part of his mission for her was to prepare the world for his second coming. So of course, when the Lord comes again, he told us that the concern is that would he find faith on the earth? So you can imagine that if you were a person who did not have faith, 
and here comes the Lord again and you're not prepared, that wouldn't be a very good moment. So rather, he's asking for a good period of time, we don't know exactly how long, for us to be prepared for that second coming so that we can receive all of the graces of union with him and going quickly and speedily to heaven. And that he wants us to receive his mercy. He, right. he, he desires it. He just has a longing for that. Can you speak also to what's the uniqueness of divine mercy and its connection to the United States and also even the Archdiocese of Baltimore? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Father. It's pretty exciting that in the church, you know, we, we require miracles before we would canonize a particular saint. And during that process, one of the miracles for the beatification to call her blessed for St. Faustina was a woman from Boston who was healed of a very serious illness. And then secondarily, even in our own Baltimore area, Father Ron Pytel, a priest of our archdiocese, was healed of a serious heart ailment. And his recovery, attributed to St. Faustina's intercession, was used as a miracle for her canonization. So it's beautiful to think, even though these revelations happened in Europe, it's a very special revelation for the United States as well, because people who received graces for her canonization resided here. Also, we have the beautiful place up in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, which is devoted to the message of divine mercy and the Marian fathers who reside there and spread her message. So we're really blessed here in the United States. There's something beautiful about that. The graces that the Lord, that there are special, unique links that we have with with this divine mercy devotions. He asked Sister Faustina to tell the Pope to establish a feast day in honor of his mercy, to honor him at the three o'clock hour, even to pray the divine mercy chaplet that you can look about online, about praying a a very short prayer and, and really just calling out for mercy upon us and on the whole world. We have the image that he wanted the world to know, show, let the world know, uh, have this image painted that the world might see, an image of my mercy, the rays of graces flowing out. And then how beautiful it is that even a, a divine mercy novena. Several last things I'd like to talk about is, what is John Paul II's connection with this whole mystery of the revelations of St. Faustina? Well, the thing that's remarkable about that father is, again, seeing the hand of divine providence. So John Paul, of course, grew up in Poland during the war. They say two or three times he himself avoided parent death, but the Lord was protecting him because he had a big mission himself, and that went on to be protecting the message of divine mercy itself. As he became Archbishop of Krakow, and then eventually he became the Holy Father, all the while he was familiar with the writings and the revelations to St. Faustina, but there had been some bad translations of them, and so they asked us not to disseminate the messages until they were perfected and we came to realize that they were acceptable. But the Lord kind of made John Paul follow along with this, and he actually canonized St. Faustina as the first saint of the new millennium, and he devoted the new millennium to the divine mercy. And what was the prophecy about John Paul II in the diary? Yeah, he did. The Lord told Faustina that he was preparing a spark for the world that would prepare the world for a second coming and that it was to come through Poland. And so it's been understood that that was referring to John Paul. He would be the spark. And he was mm-hmm. such a great gift to the church. The last thing I share with you is he also spoke of St. Faustina as, an, I desire you to be an apostle of joy. Yeah, that was her spiritual director, and that, that is such a beautiful thing. Her director said that he wanted her to act in such a way that all those who came into contact with her would go away joyful. 
So he wanted her to sow happiness because she had received so much from God. He advised her to give generously to others so that when they took leave of her, their hearts would be full of joy. So I think it's a beautiful gift for all of us to realize that to be able to share this message is really to share a message of the joy of the gospel and the joy of the love of God. What a great blessing. And just as a reminder, there is a Divine Mercy celebration Sunday, April 28th at Holy Rosary where Father Ryan Pytel, who was the pastor there, had received his, uh, his healing. April 28th uh, at Phelps Point. It's the Shrine of Divine Mercy for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Confessions are at three o'clock. Mass is in English and Polish at 1.30 p.m. What a great, great blessing. Thank you, Dawn, for, for coming. Many blessings to you. Thank I'm you, Father Father. Brian Nolan from Catholic Baltimore. God bless you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.